Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays, 10am and 5pm at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. We make decisions all the time, don't we? We make decisions all the time and some of them are super easy, barely an inconvenience. Uh, Like what clothes are you going to wear? What are you going to eat for lunch? Do you scrunch or fold? Some decisions, though, are incredibly complex. And for the incredibly complex ones, often we hear one factor, and then we hear one more. And by the time we get to three, our eyes gloss over, and we just go with whatever's the easiest option, uh, even if it's not a good option. And that's the thing we're exploring tonight, a bigger question than whether or not to get vaccinated. How do we make complex decisions about right and wrong good and evil, ethical and unethical, when it's not always obvious. Because we all want to make good choices, we all have beliefs about good and evil, and we want to do what's good. But at times, it's difficult to know what the good choice is. There's one more difficulty, we often play catch-up. When it comes to decisions, Uh, we save all our thinking about ethics and a decision until we have to make one. Uh, Instead of kind of pondering, what do I believe? What do I value? What do I believe about right and wrong? And instead of reading up on issues and listening to podcasts and talking to our friends, when we don't have to make a decision, instead we cram all that processing into the two hours or the two minutes that we have to make a choice and live with the consequences. Uh, That's a lot of pressure. When we do that, it's no wonder that our eyes gloss over and we just go with whatever's the easiest option even if it's not the best option, even if it's an immoral option. There is an alternative to grow our decision-making muscles, to get better at making complex decisions. And that's what we're doing tonight, because we all want to make good choices. And if you're a Christian, we've got an extra motivation. We want to please God with every choice that we make. What's our ultimate aim in every decision we make? It's for God to say, well done, good and faithful servant. That was a great choice. We live to love, obey and please our God. And decisions is a place where we can please him. So here's the plan for the next kind of half an hour. I'm going to give you three principles for making complex decisions And I'm going to give you an example so you can see this in practice. And the example I picked is vaccine against COVID. Should I vaccinate or not vaccinate? I tried to pick something that was relevant. It's a decision we all have to make, or maybe you've already made it. It's a heated issue. If COVID has taught us anything, we're passionate about our health, and we're upset when people don't take their health as seriously as we do. Uh, We're passionate about our freedom and we get upset when people don't take freedom as seriously as we do. It's a complex issue. There's misinformation, there's questions of trust. It's an area where Christians disagree. And there's some long-term impacts to your decision. Uh, It's been mandated for some people who work in New South Wales Health and in the Department of Education. Uh, Yesterday, the New South Wales government released the Roadmap to Freedom and it seems like You'll need to check proof of vaccine if you want to come out of lockdown in some parts of the state. There's unanswered questions for us. Will we be able to let unvaccinated people come to church? 
Would you want to come if unvaccinated people were there? Or would that be too risky for you? Lots of questions. My goal tonight is not to convince you of my position. I'll just put that right out there at the front. I'm not even going to tell you what my position is. I'm not a doctor. It's not my place to recommend a medical treatment. I have got a different goal. I want to show us how to please God in the way that we make decisions. And if I can, I want to take a little bit of heat out of this topic. Uh, I've spoken to people from Salt Church who have different opinions about all of this. We need to love our brothers and sisters in our different opinions. So let's jump in. First step, you've got a big decision to make. What do you do? Well, you've got to see what the point of your life is what's the point what's the goal of your life because that will show you what to decide for example imagine someone where their goal in life was to make as much money as they can so they could live in comfort that person's offered two jobs which one do they take the one that pays more because the other factors uh, do i enjoy the work do i like the people i work with does the work benefit anyone all those factors are secondary So the biggest factor, making more money. That's the big goal of this person's life. Now, I'm not recommending this as a way to live your life. It's just an illustration. But can you see how it works? The point of your life will show you what to decide. And if you were tuning in, if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, I'm not sure what you'd say the purpose or the goal of your life is. Uh, Probably it's a mix of different things. It's worth trying to write it down, I reckon, so that you can get that clarity. But let me recommend to you what Christians would say. One of the most reassuring things about being a Christian is that we don't have to guess what life is for. In our culture, our culture tells us to find your own purpose, to decide what matters for you and to go for it and don't let anyone stop you. And it's presented as this noble quest to find your own meaning. But in reality, I think we all know it's the cause of intense anxiety. And it's kind of a little bit ridiculous, really, too. Our culture doesn't even know the purpose of life. The best that our culture has to offer is whatever works for you. That's it. But Christians, we know what life is for. Not because we were clever and discovered it, we know it because our maker tells us what he made us for. And we hear it in Matthew 22, when Jesus is on, uh, asked a question by someone and someone comes up to him and says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. The point of life, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, is to live for the God who made you. This is the point that God made us for. To love God with everything we have, everything we are, and to love people who are made by him. To love people because we love God. We love God and so we love people. And God actually defines love for us. Love is a verb. Love is doing the best for others at cost to yourself. That's what love is as God defines it. It's doing the best for others at cost to yourself. 
And that's what God's done for us. After Jesus says this, he gives his life on a cross to save us from the judgment we deserve for not loving God. To save us from living a life for ourselves so that we could do what we were made for and start to love God. That's love. And that gives clarity to every decision. We do what God loves and we do what's best for other people at cost to ourselves. Now, how does this apply to the vaccine? Well, there's kind of a tweet that's been going around. Not a literal tweet, but this is kind of the idea that people often say. It goes like this. Christians love other people, therefore take the vaccine. Get vaccinated. Uh, there's a longer version of this tweet. It goes something like this. It's better if less people get serious cases of coronavirus. And if the majority of the population are vaccinated, less people will have serious cases of coronavirus. Plus, there's some people with pre-existing health conditions who can't take a vaccine. It's dangerous for them to take a vaccine. But that same group of people are more at risk from COVID. So if you can take the vaccine, you ought to, to love people. It'll cost you to get the vaccine. It's uncomfortable. There's some health risk that you'll take on. But do what's best for others at cost to yourself because you love God and because you love other people. Now, more or less, I think that's right. But it is more complex. I love God. I love people. But does that therefore mean I should take the vaccine? What if the vaccine's not safe for me or for my family? What if the way the vaccine was made is unethical and God hates it? What if I'm being coerced to do something that I don't want to do? Plus, often when Christians say things like, oh, I got vaccinated to love people, that can mask the real reason we did something. Maybe the real reason a lot of Christians took the vaccine is because we're scared. Or because we're sick of lockdown and we want our freedom back. We can spray all sorts of Christian sounding reasons on top of the real reason we make decisions. For this decision though, there are more factors. So which brings us to the second step in a complex decision. What are the other factors? I actually, when I make these decisions, I actually kind of write them out as questions or as statements Try and get the gist and then group them together. Uh, let me show you. Here's one I prepared earlier. Uh, four areas. Ethics of the vaccine. Is God happy for me to take a vaccine? Was this vaccine produced ethically? Is it playing God to manipulate cell proteins like these new ranges of vaccines do? And then there's safety questions. How safe is the vaccine? Was it rushed through trials? There's no long-term studies of the effects of these vaccines. Is that a problem? Can I trust those who produce and test and promote the vaccine when they have vested interests? And then you've got government and health agency questions. Is it an abuse of power for governments and health agencies to make recommendations and laws that I disagree with? Do I need to submit to a coercive government? What's the place of my conscience in this debate? And then society questions. Will I be excluded from places and people from church if I'm unvaccinated? On the other hand, will I face unacceptable risks if there's no exclusions on unvaccinated people? 
how do I love my brothers and sisters at Sold if we disagree? What if we disagree strongly? These are some of the factors. Uh, there's definitely more factors. And maybe all of those were obvious to you. Or maybe it was a surprise to you to see how complex this actually is. There's two temptations at this point in a complex decision. The first is for our eyes to gloss over and just to go with the easiest option. In this case, I guess that would be to get vaccinated simply so you don't have to think about it anymore. If you avoid that temptation and you enter into all the mess, there's a second temptation to find the answer in the wrong place. But the place we need to go to is the Bible. Which brings us to the third step. What does the Bible say about all of these factors? Our culture is wrong on so many things. But that's the air we breathe. That's the water we swim in. And what we fill our minds with will affect the decisions that we make. We need to let the God who made us tell us what's good and evil. We need to let the God who saved us tell us how to please him. And we actually need to do that together. And none of us know our Bible as well as we could, as well as we should, including me, including me in this. We need to ask more Christians and other Christians, what do you think the Bible says? And wrestle with this together. And I've had dozens of conversations with other Christians as I prepared this, trying to figure all this out. But here's the third step. We need to work out what does the Bible say about these factors. And I want to model that for you by applying this to the vaccine. So here's what I think the Bible says about those four groups of factors. First up, the ethics of the vaccines. This is a really important question for to God. Have a look at what it says there, Psalm 1. It says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his Lord day and night. God, this verse tells us, God hates sin. And he wants Christians to flee from sin in our own lives. And he wants Christians to stand apart from sinners and not to share in them. Not to share in their sin. So if this vaccine shares in evil, that displeases God and Christians should have nothing to do with it. That's the first piece of the puzzle. The second piece of the puzzle, I'm going to give you three pieces. The second piece of the puzzle is that sin is never good, but sometimes you can rescue some good out of sin. God hates sin, first piece of the puzzle. Second piece, sin's never good, but sometimes you can rescue some good out of sin. And we see this in Matthew 19. Uh, some Pharisees came to Jesus to test him and they asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made the male and female and said, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. 
But it was not this way from the beginning. Now, what's going on here? Uh, In the Old Testament, God gave a law as a way to protect women. Uh, If a husband decided to divorce their wife, he had to give her a certificate of divorce for the legal and the social protection of that woman. And that's a great thing. God cares deeply about the legal and social protection of women. But divorce is the opposite of God's design for marriage. Jesus says it here. It's God designed marriage to be a lifelong union between one man and one woman. So if no divorce is God's plan, why does he tell Moses what the people are meant to do when they divorce? How do those two things fit together? Well, Jesus says here, it's because of their hard hearts. God knew that his people would sin, but he rescued some good out of their sin. You see how it works? This is what the sovereign God always does. God turns evil into good. Uh, Like when Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery in Egypt. He ends up in jail, but then he comes out of jail and he prevents his brothers and many people dying from a famine. And he says to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. If you've been tracing through Acts with us at Salt Church, we've seen the apostles say to the Jewish leaders, you conspired to murder Jesus. And yet they say to God, they did what your power and will decided beforehand should happen. God hates sin, but yet God uses sin for good. And sometimes we can do the same. Sometimes we can rescue, we can retrieve some good after sin. That's the second piece of the puzzle. God hates sin. Sometimes we can retrieve some good after sin. Third piece of the puzzle, God values the life of a child in the womb. Uh, Psalm 139 tells us this. It tells us God knits us together in our mother's womb. An unborn child is a human life. Now let's bring those three pieces together. How does this apply to the vaccine? Well, I'm sure you've heard some vaccines have been developed from a cell line that came from a fetus that was aborted in the 1960s. A kidney cell line that was grown by molecular biologist Alex van der Ebb at Leiden University in about 1972. And some Christians hear this and they take the valid stance that since God hates sin and he values the life of the unborn, it's wrong to use cells that were taken from an aborted child in medical research. And if you take the vaccine that was developed from aborted cells, you're saying you're okay with that and you're even supporting the industry to keep on doing that. Uh, There's a whole other talk that I could give about abortion and some of the horrific laws that we have in Australia and God's compassion and forgiveness for people who felt that an abortion was the best option or, or the only option they could take. There's a whole other talk about that. But that's the view of some Christians. Other Christians feel like the mum's decision to abort her child in the 1960s, that was sad, that was wrong. But what then happens to the fetus is a different thing. And the illustration I've read and heard people use, imagine a kid that's murdered and then they become an organ donor. You're not necessarily supporting the murder if you use those organs to save lives. In fact, that might even be a good outcome. You're rescuing some good out of evil. Now, if the abortion happened in order to make a vaccine, 
Well, that if you take that, you're sharing an evil. Just like if a murder happened in order to get organs and you take that, you're sharing in that evil. But that's not the case with this abortion that happened in the 1960s. And there's actually no original fetal cells in any vaccine. Uh, here's another chart. This might help you. Uh, AstraZeneca, I'll show you, tell you what these icons mean. The diamonds mean that this vaccine was produced using this cell line that's been in use for about 50 years. So you can see AstraZeneca uses this cell line. Uh, Pfizer, though, is synthetic, completely synthetic. It wasn't made using this cell line. It was tested uh, pre-human trials. That's what the box with the diamond means. It was tested using this cell line, but it wasn't produced using this cell line. Um, Last, there's more than one way to raise an objection. If Christians... I think kind of Christians should probably campaign to ban the use of fetal cells. Some Christians hold that view. That Christians should campaign to ban the use of fetal cells in abortions in research. But there's options about how you do that. Uh, You can do that by not taking the vaccine. Or you can do that by taking it and seeing it as a good thing and also campaigning against that. First thing, the ethics of vaccines. Second thing, are vaccines safe? This is a hard question because it's a medical science question and I'm not a scientist. Uh, I've sunk hours of research and before I did that though, I'd never even heard of spike proteins or mRNA receptors. We actually have to trust qualified people to tell us the vaccine is safe. And there's the issue. Some of us are more ready to trust the scientists who made it the Therapeutic Goods Administration that approved it, the government that endorses it, the doctors who give it to us. Others of us are less ready to trust our health to people who make mistakes, to pharmaceutical companies that have vested interests at the least, to research where there's censorship, to a vaccine that was developed quickly, and we don't feel like we should risk side effects for the sake of others. Also, we don't share the same body. So if you have existing health conditions, this is nowhere near as clear-cut for you. In general, though, there are good reasons to trust these vaccines. Uh, I've discovered this week, in terms of public research, COVID and the vaccines are soon to become the most researched illness ever, the most internationally researched ever. Uh, There's been about 5 billion doses of vaccines given to 1.4 billion people, which is one-sixth of the world's population. These are massive numbers. But safety is really about trust. And here's where it makes all the difference in the world to be a Christian. We know who we trust. Listen to Jeremiah chapter 9. Here's what it says. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, boast, have confidence in, trust in. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts, boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord. See, Christians don't ultimately trust in any human. We don't ultimately trust any human wisdom or power or strength, not others, not our own. We trust the God who is sovereign over life and death. And I think people are very scared of death at the moment. 
I read an opinion piece in the Australian newspaper. I never read the newspaper. I just stumbled across this. But it gave the results of a survey. I couldn't link the source, so I can't confirm the accuracy. So take this with a grain of salt. But they asked this question in the survey. What do you think the chances are that you will die if you get infected with the Delta strain? What would you say? What do you think the chances are you'd die if you got infected with the Delta strain? On average, people said there was a 38% chance that they would die. The real chance is 2 in 100. For a lot of people, the real chance is actually 0 or 0.5 maybe. These people in this survey said 1 in 3. What accounts for that massive difference? Fear. People are scared of dying and they're trusting people to save them from death. For some people, the vaccine is the silver bullet that will save them from death. It won't. Listen to Psalm 139. It says, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. We will die when God decided we will. Your life's end was set before you were born. Here's a crazy thought. Every death that's happened from COVID has not been random. God has been sovereign over all of them. The spread of every virus particle from every infected person has not been random. God has been sovereign over all of it. Every vaccine side effect has not been random. God is sovereign over all of that. Now, don't mishear what I'm saying. We make real choices. Uh, We're running a night about making decisions. Why would we run that if God didn't give us responsibility to make real choices? Be safe. Prolong your life. Make good choices. But see that God is sovereign over all our choices. God is sovereign over life and death. The vaccine is not a silver bullet that will save you from death. Jesus is the silver bullet that will save us from death. Listen to 1 Peter 1 that Jess read out for us earlier. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power. See, true safety in the face of death comes from the one who defeated death. It comes from the one who will bring you safely through death to an inheritance that no virus can touch. This is God's world. Jesus is on his throne. Do you know what the future of COVID in Australia will be? Jesus wins. We are eternally safe. Third issue, government. Can the government tell me what to do with my body? Can anyone tell me what to do with my body? Yes. Look at 1 Corinthians 6. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have received from God, you are not your own, you were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. God owns us, especially if you're a Christian. But even if you're not, here's a shocking thing, God owns you. We were made to love God 
with our bodies. We were made to use our bodies to do what's best for other people at cost to ourselves. That's the point of life, to love God, to love people. And that's what our body is for too. We use our bodies to love God and love people. So what does it look like to love governments, to love rulers with our bodies? Well, have a listen to this, 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. There's a bunch of ideas in there. But can you see, many leaders don't deserve you to submit to them. Why would you submit to them? For the Lord's sake. It says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. Jesus deserves it. And God tells us to submit because rules, laws, leaders, governments, they're things that God set up for our good. I'm no political expert, but it strikes me we can see how devastating it is to have no government in Afghanistan at the moment. A godless, evil government is actually better than the anarchy that comes when there's no government. And a godless, evil government was Rome. Uh, The Peter who wrote that sentence, those sentences we just read, was crucified upside down on a cross by Roman rulers. Not because he was a criminal, but because he was a Christian. Rome was not a democracy. You couldn't sign a petition. You couldn't vote the emperor out. It was a godless dictatorship. And still, God tells Christians to submit to it. The God who hates evil says that. Now, I find it hard to submit. I think we all find it hard to submit at times because we're vulnerable when we submit. By definition, we submit to a human and human sin. It's not a blanket command, though. There is a time to not submit. We don't always submit in any of our relationships. And when it comes to government, there's three options. Really, two options, I'm going to say, but I'll put a third one on there. Here's the options. First, you can obey God and obey government. Second, you can obey God and disobey the government and submit to any of the consequences. Or a third option that we can never take is to disobey God and obey the government. They're the kind of two-ish options that we can take when it comes to submitting. So what's happening at the moment? What do we do at the moment? This is a live question for us. Because some people feel like the government and health agencies, they're doing the best that they can in a pretty tough situation. We should submit to them. Other people feel like the government is being coercive and we should resist them. And certainly there's some lines being drawn at the moment. Uh, New South Wales Health, you might have heard this, New South Wales Health has made it mandatory for many of their staff to get their first vaccine by the 30th of September uh, for the safety of their patients. The Department of Education has released something similar. Uh, The roadmap came out yesterday describing this. Now, is this a time to choose not to submit? Well, as I said, my goal is not to convince you of my position. Uh, You will answer to God for your choice. 
But I want to give you two questions to ponder as you work out what does it look like for you. Here's the first question to ponder. Are Christians being singled out and targeted? A civil disobedience is an option for Christians, but it's a serious option. So I feel like if it was only Christians who were being told to get the vaccine, well, then Christians are being targeted, and there's a stronger case that obeying God means disobeying the government. If it was only churches that needed to see proof of vaccines to let people in and not cafes and movies, well, then... Christians are being targeted. There's a stronger case that obeying God means disobeying the government. Our freedoms have been temporarily limited. So the question to ponder, are Christians and religious people being singled out in those temporary limits to freedom? Second question to ponder, are you being commanded to do something that you genuinely believe is evil? Uh, I'm not asking, is it evil that you're being commanded? That's a different question. Uh, is the thing you're being commanded to do evil, not is it evil that you're being commanded. The government tells us to wear seatbelts against people's preferences, against people's consciences. They enforce us wearing seatbelts with fines. Most people are okay with that, though, because we can see that commands and power are not evil in and of themselves. God has infinite power, and he only ever uses it for good. Misuse of power is the problem. And it is good to speak up if leaders are misusing their power. And unlike Rome, we have channels, dozens of them. We can sign petitions. We can contact our members of parliament and government watchdogs. We could just vote all our leaders out. You couldn't do that in Rome. But think about this. Even if the way you're being asked to do something is coercive or there's unfair incentives, that's a different question to whether the thing you're being asked to do is evil. Uh, Speak up if power is being abused, but speak up about that. Our government builds and maintains roads. We're pretty happy to use them. We see that they're good, even if we dislike the government who made them. Uh, If you're being coerced to do something good, it doesn't undermine the fact that the thing is still good. So here's the question for you to ponder. If you take the vaccine, are you doing something that you genuinely believe is evil? Because if you believe it's sin, then it is sin for you. This is another big idea you might not have come across. The idea of conscience. Have a listen to what James and Romans says. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Or Romans 14. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith. And everything does not that does not come from faith is sin. If you genuinely believe that it's sinful for you to get the vaccine, you should not get it. Uh, There might be consequences for your health and your job. You might stay in lockdown for longer. But please don't get it if you're certain that for you, this would be going against your conscience and sinning. It won't be that for everyone, but it might be that for you because of your conscience. That is a big call, though. And often when we say conscience, we mean preference. I prefer not being told what to do. I think most of us prefer not being told what to do. But that's miles away from being convinced that what I'm told to do is evil. Uh, Peter's just reminded us, he says, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Uh, Objection on the basis of conscience and not submitting, that is an option for Christians. 
But we have to be sure that we're not doing that to assert our preferences and disobeying God in the name of our freedom. Uh, Because freedom and rights go hand in hand with responsibilities. Uh, We have responsibilities as citizens of Australia and as Christians because we're slaves of God. We belong to God. That's the third thing, government. Fourth thing, the social factors. I think this is the area that's least clear because this is an evolving situation. Uh, The division between vaccinated and unvaccinated people seems to be growing. Uh, There's been much talk of vaccine passports. And now the roadmap was released yesterday, uh, the first kind of official statement about this. Uh, Here's my read of the vaccine, of the roadmap, sorry. Here's my read of it. Uh, It seems like... When we hit 70% of vaccines, LGAs that have current cases, restrictions will be eased for people who've been double vaxxed and for people who have medical exemptions. And it's likely, I think, it's likely that businesses and churches will be required to check proof of vaccines, the same as we checked QR codes. Now, for some Christians, they see that as a violation of religious freedoms And something that runs counter to the gospel of Jesus who welcomes everyone. On the other hand, it's crucial that we keep each other safe. And that we demonstrate to visitors that we're safe so that they can come and hear about the eternal safety that exists only through Jesus. Which the Illawarra desperately needs to know. There's more questions though that need answers. And those questions will be answered and will be asked before the roadmap starts, the government suggested mid-October. That's still a few weeks away. But I think with all of these social factors, it's an evolving situation. And it's natural that we want to speculate about what's going to happen. It's actually helpful to speculate so you can anticipate and you can make some plans. But there's a danger when we speculate. It's when we draw firm conclusions from our speculation. I think that's dangerous at the moment because I think it just fuels the anxiety that a lot of people already have. This is a great moment for Christians to stand out as calm people who know that God is ultimately in control. I also think there's actually a bigger danger for churches. Disunity. I think this is a real possibility, a real temptation for Christians that we're going to divide over this. Because if COVID has taught us anything, we're serious about our health and we're upset when others don't take our health as seriously as we do. We're very serious about our freedoms and we're upset when other people don't take our freedom as seriously as they do. How are you going to treat Christians if they take a different position? If you've been vaccinated, it'll be easy to be uncharitable with Christians who have been unvaccinated, even to feel like they're a danger to you. On the other hand, if you remain unvaccinated because you're convinced that it's unethical or that you're convinced that to get the vaccine is to stay silent when we should be speaking up, well, it'll be easy to judge Christians who've been vaccinated as sinful sellouts. I think this is the passage we need to hear, Romans 14. It says, Except the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another, whose faith is weak, eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not, 
And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master servants stand or fall. And they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Now what you eat here is about whether your conscience lets you do one thing or another thing. I don't know who the strong or the weak brother or sister is when it comes to the vaccine. I'm not even going to go there. But see the principle. The principle is that Christians can make different decisions and yet honor the same God. And if we make different decisions, we need to love our brothers and sisters for whom Jesus died. Because Soul Church, we're united on something far deeper than our medical stance or our political beliefs. We're not a political party. We're not the Red Cross. We're not a soccer team. We're the body of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Don't harm that over something as unimportant as your health or your freedom. And I mean that with no irony. The church is priceless to God. Don't ever harm that. Instead, let's make it safe to talk about this at Salt Church. Let's respect people who have different opinions and be curious to find out where they're coming from and what this means for them. I think some of the behavior we're seeing in our culture is totally appalling. Christians need to stand out. Don't ridicule anyone. Don't ridicule anyone ever. Don't write people off and unfriend them based on a social media post where you assume you know what their motive is. I'd actually encourage you not to label anyone an anti-vaxxer unless they call themselves an anti-vaxxer. Because that's a judgmental, pejorative label. Uh, when the protesters took to the streets during lockdown, the outrage at those protesters was extreme. And I get that. I saw some foolish, selfish choices. But I also saw scared, worried, misled people who were made in the image of God. There's a brilliant opportunity in front of us for Christians to stand out in a culture that's becoming increasingly divided and unwilling to listen to each other. There's the social factors. It's an evolving situation, so watch this space. Love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Show curiosity and respect for other people. Let me wrap this all up. What have we seen? We've seen a model for how to make complex decisions. How does it fit with the point of life? What are the other factors? What does God say in the Bible? And I gave an example with the vaccine, so we could see it in practice with those four factors. And let me finish by just reminding you of one thing I said right at the start. This is complicated. And this is not even the most complex decision you'll ever have to make. Why would you bother? Because every decision is a chance to love God and love people. Our aim in every decision is for God to say, Well done, good and faithful servant. That was a great choice. And loving God and loving people is what your life is for. How about I pray? Father God, thank you so much for the great news of the gospel that you loved us when we ran from you.
You loved us at great cost to yourself. Thank you, Lord, that that means we can actually live for you now and we can please you. And we pray that we would do that with every decision. We pray particularly for this decision that's right in front of us, Lord. Help us as a church and as Christians to really stand out in our culture with the respect and the curiosity and the understanding that we have for each other as we take different positions and that we have towards other people. And Lord, may we in this decision, in everything we do, honor you. Amen.